Stop right there. I'm in. You are? Just like that? Yeah. I, I need friends. Suicide Squad cast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I'm Tim, and we are the Suicide Squad cast. Scott, man, what's up this week? Oh, I watched Batman and Bill last Sunday. I did too. Like the day after it dropped. Yeah, I saw that. I was, it was like like the entire world was watching it on Sunday afternoon, apparently. <laughs> Seemed like it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was interesting. I knew a lot of that information already, so it wasn't that big of a, oh my god, revelation to me. There were a few, however, interesting nuggets that I'm just like, Bob Kane, you are an SOB. <laughs> I, I mean, know. I thought you were anyway, and then there was just a few little nuggets yeah. that, uh, like, the the one that happened, like, in the late 60s, I don't want to ruin it for someone, but someone who's seen the documentary knows the, the story about the convention in the late 60s and the response, that's when I went, you jerkwad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that was kind of my reaction to and it, it's so weird because, you know, growing up, I was, you know, completely indoctrinated the whole idea that, you know, Bob Kane, you know, created everything. You know, I just, I always distinctly remember, like, you know, seeing every little Batman story I'd read, you know, I'd read had, you know, the Bob Kane. I knew the the little signature he did. And and so that was like, it's, so it, was, it had like such a um, kind of a soft spot in my heart all these years and all that. And then you start, you know, starting to realize and start to find out, you know, that there's somebody that was, was really the, the major creative force behind Batman. <laughs> and there was somebody else. And you're like, well, wait a minute. That kind of rocks my world there. And then, uh, man, watching that documentary, I I was like halfway through it, or maybe even not even halfway through it. And I just jumped on my phone and I sent out a tweet just saying, I want to punch Bob Kane. <laughs> because yeah. that's just how it made me feel, man. I'm like, what? What? What a jerk, man. He really was. See, for me, I most of this information, like I, I learned about it, like a lot of people did, uh, back when I was listening to Fat Man on Batman with Kevin Smith, when he had Mark Tyler Nobleman on his show. Like I was listening to it like the day it dropped. And I heard that interview and then I went to that Kickstarter they did. There was another documentary that hasn't been released yet, but was being uh, developed by Dr. Travis Langley, who you saw in Batman and Bill. And actually that footage of Athena Finger at her first uh, comic book convention, mm-hmm. that footage was was on loan to Batman and Bill from the Cape Creator, the okay. Bill Finger documentary that I backed on Kickstarter. So, you know, that... that So the, the best thing was they were, they were kind of playing well together. And we even talked about this on the show. You know, go back, go back to like the first few months of our show when we even had we were following the story too. So we've right. we've kind of known about it. So watching the documentary just felt like a lot of it was like repeating stuff I already knew. But I can just imagine there's all kinds of people out there who have no idea about any of this information. Yeah. And you, if you're a comic book fan of any stripe, this is like Brent would disagree with me, but I would say this is much. This is must watch for you to understand what the industry is like you need to see this documentary well and especially in that era like that yes. era was a lot more cutthroat than it is nowadays the the, go- the golden age yeah. yes i mean there's a lot more protections in place for you know creators and all um but man i tell you what it it's a really good documentary because it you know it has a a really cool twist in it you know it's a real life twist and it was just a great story you know it really was i mean such a great job uh so i would highly recommend if you guys have not seen it it's on hulu uh, you can watch it if you subscribe to hulu or just join hulu for a month i mean honestly 
honestly, it's one of those things, and I think you even get like a one-week free trial or something. I mean, literally, just sign up for the free trial, watch it, and then you can stop <laughs> it before. I mean, there are ways. Now, for our non-American listeners, I know that you don't have access to it. Uh, we've talked to people on Twitter, and uh, you re- you reached out to Mark Tyler Nobleman on Twitter, and right. he said that right now he's not aware of uh, what the plans are to make this available outside of Hulu. I'm sure they'll release it on like digital or DVD or Blu-ray or something at some point. Yeah, I mean, it was something along the lines of like, uh, there's plans in place, but uh, he nothing he can announce at this point. But yeah, absolutely go watch it. Do yourself a favor. Learn more about Batman and the 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 real man who you know created him. I think it's I think it's a really important story to tell. Yeah. So very cool. Okay, so let's get on with the show here, guys. We uh, just as a quick reminder, in our Suicide Squadcast Network, we've got two other shows aside from this show. Uh, go out and listen to DC TV Squadcast. That's with Brent and Ray. They talk about DC TV over on the CW. All those shows. And then we also have DC Comics Squadcast with with Chris and Jordan, and uh, they're covering primarily the Rebirth storyline, but definitely focusing in on this Watchmen thing, which has just been a ton of fun, by the way. So yeah, go out and check out those podcasts. And Scott, we had five uh, written reviews since we last kind of touched on them. Right, because we had four reviews to talk about on our 100th episode, and then that episode just ran long, and my one-year-old was running around causing <laughs> havoc. So I had to kind of go, we gotta go! Yep. So we just punted him to this week. Let's get to it. Okay, the first one comes from James Warney. It's called The Perfect DCEU Podcast. James writes, Hey guys, just wanted to say how much I've enjoyed listening to your podcast, and I'm hoping for many more episodes to come. I'm glad to finally find guys who love the DCEU as much as I do. You know us DC fans gotta stick together. If you love DC comic characters and the DCEU, then this is the podcast for you. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And uh, from the iTunes store in the United States, Evan11, titled The Go-To Podcast for Any DC Comics Fan. The Suicide Squadcast is a phenomenal listen to any for any DC Comics fan out there. Tim and Scott are terrific hosts, providing both the depth of knowledge of true fans and an unabashed exuberance for the material. The show is consistently enjoyable, well-produced, and never dull, even on slow news weeks. If you love all things DC Entertainment, you will be hard-pressed to find a better show. Thank you so much for that, Evan. And thanks for recognizing the well-produced. That goes right to my heart. <laughs> Whatever. I, I, I toot your horn enough on the 100th episode. You did. And Stu Osborne from iTunes Australia uh, entitled his review, Best in DC Movie News. A great podcast for all the latest and greatest in DC movie news, of which there is plenty at the moment. I love Tim and Scott's passion for DC and their optimism for the entire DCEU. They take the effort to break down the clickbait from the real news. And I look forward to their weekly podcast and their views on all things DC. If you ever need a correspondent down under in Australia, would love to share the love. Well, we got some stuff going on down there right now, so get to work, Stu. I mean, Aquaman's filming. Yeah. Come on, Stu. Go find Aquaman. Okay, so then we have uh, Scotty Doesn't Knows from the iTunes store in the United States. Long-time listener, first-time reviewer. I've listened to this podcast from the beginning, but never had an iTunes account of my own. Therefore, I wasn't able to leave a review. Tim and Scott do a wonderful job at reporting news, giving reviews, and remaining positive towards the DCEU. So many people hate on DCEU for not being like Marvel, but when I read my comics, I don't want them to be the same. So why would I want them to be the same in the movies? We agree. Tim and Scott do a good job at supporting that case as well. So thank you, gentlemen. Also, what other podcast do you recommend? Ooh, okay. Well, first of all, thank you for that review. Uh, so, I mean, if we, are we talking like comic book related podcasts? I would, I always say Man of Steel Answers, outstanding, well-produced and well-prepared podcast. I would list that one, uh, Holy Batcast. We just did a crossover with those guys. Um, who else? Beer with Geeks. Beer with Geeks. DC on screen. Um, and, and, and with and with a lot of these, um, and it, for, 
for female perspective, I say Supergirl Radio. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I would also say uh, Just League Universe podcast with Sam Otten. Uh, so these are all the the, the ones that I kind of go to. Yeah, the, the, they're the ones I subscribe to and I listen to on a regular weekly basis. Yep. So absolutely. All right, one last review, Scott, and that is from also from Australia, Pa One, who entitled their podcast "Podcast of Solitude." <laughs> Thank you guys for making commute to work interesting and enjoyable. I am always looking forward to new episodes. I am always assured that I will get all latest news and with view without any bias. Thank you very much, guys, and congratulations on your 100th episode. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Had a long journey to get there, but we're kind of like looking towards the next 100 at this point. Absolutely. Especially with Wonder Woman and Justice League on the way. Yeah. And we'll also get Aquaman in probably. Yeah, stuff's happening. And we're going to talk about some other stuff that apparently is, is starting to brew a little bit here. So, uh, so guys, we're five away from the next giveaway. If you feel like we deserve it, leave us a positive written review on iTunes and you will be entered automatically into this giveaway to uh, to get a DC trade paperback $15 or less sent to you. So I know. I was so happy that Simple Monk took my suggestion. He's getting the first uh, arc of Jeff Johns' Justice League for New 52. Yay! Good suggestion. All right. We got Wonder Woman to talk about, Scott. I know. We got another wonderful Wednesday because, you know, they're not marketing Wonder Woman at all. Did you know that, Tim? That's what the internet tells me. Yeah, that's what I hear. But I, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't believe it. I don't believe it because I'm seeing all kinds of crap. <laughs> I know. So. so we got a new poster. Yeah, this one's pretty cool. It's so it's it's the first one we actually have of Steve Trevor in it. I know it's the first one that's not just Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, they still use the Wonder slogan. I love the uh I like the the sparks flying off of her sword. Mm-hmm. It that's kinda cool. I love the blue color in the background. I think that really makes this poster stand out to me is, you know, that 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 blue and her just sort of popping out of the blue because even Steve Trevor kind of gets washed into the blue. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously a, a big Photoshop job on this, but it's it's pretty nicely constructed here. You know, and I was just kind of thinking when I was looking at this poster, when I when I was thinking that this is the first time we've seen Chris Pine, it's like, when's the last time somebody of Chris Pine's stature has just been like kind of in the background in a film? I know. And he did a really good job on Saturday Night Live, by the way. I didn't watch the episode. I only watched the opening monologue, but he was hilarious. So I he, he's fun and I can't wait to see his Steve Trevor. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be fun. So, uh, I mean, just give this guy all the credit in the world. He knew how important of a movie this was, how how important this film is ultimately. And he knows his place. He knows, he knows his, his place. place in this. In- yeah. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see the action. Like I think we were talking about it in the little uh, trailer review that I just did with Jordan. There was a surprising amount of action. Like there's a lot of different scenes that he's got in this thing. So he, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really fun, whether you're, uh, you know, looking for male action or female action. Well, just action in general. Well, once again, because there's no marketing whatsoever, you know, people aren't going out and doing interviews all <laughs> over the place. No. No, none at all. Um, Gal Gadot was interviewed by the New York Times, actually. And she had a couple of, uh, I think, notable quotes that got pulled out. One was, you know, her dealing with the comments about the costume and just basically what, what the, the criticism that I feel like is just there because someone's trying to be critical. And in I like what Gadot said. She said, I think as a feminist, you should be able to wear whatever you like. In any case, there is such a misunderstanding of the concept. Feminism is about equality and choice and freedom. And the writers, Patty and myself, all figured that the best way to show that is to show Diana as having no awareness of social roles. She has no gender boundaries. To her, everyone is equal. Preach, Gal. Preach. Yes. And Gal had a a quote in this as well. Uh, She was talking about inspiration here. And she said, we've seen so many male-driven stories, so the more strong female narratives that we have, the better. Uh, She said, she's sure that this movie will inspire girls, but you can't empower women without empowering men too. 
too. And she said that she hopes that Wonder Woman will be an icon for them as well. You know, it's it's kind of funny, man. Like there's just a, I hear a ton of guys I know as well, just super, super excited about this film. Well, two, two of them are right here. Yeah, two of them are right here. Like Jordan, we were just talking last, you know, earlier this week, and he was kind of talking about how he's really kind of taken on the Wonder Woman recently in the comics. And so he's just super, super pumped up for this film. And, and on top of it, I mean, you know, we just kind of mentioned from that poster as well, you got Chris Pine, like he's going to play a pretty big role in this film, but he's clearly, you know, he's not the lead focus of the film, but man, he's going to be like right there with Diana in this giant war. But see, what I'm loving from what I've heard from other interviews is that they're using the concept of feminism and women and equal without belittling men. It's like, it's like you don't have to belittle the men to make the woman seem more powerful. You just make the woman powerful and she can stand on her own. You don't have to do it and, you know, make the men feel like crap at the same time. And I'm looking forward, at least that's what they keep on saying, and I'm looking forward to that because Diana looks like she's just going to kick all kinds of ass in this movie, and I can't wait. Right. Well, we had this, uh, another interview with Patty Jenkins in Total Film Magazine, and Gal was there as well, but uh, Jenkins had a nice little quote along the lines of what you're saying. She said, you know, she thinks there's been a, a lag in catching up to where feminism has gone. It's taken a long time before a woman who can fight can actually be treated like a universal character. She said, uh, I think there was a lot of fear associated with Wonder Woman. People were like, how can a woman fight? How can a woman be sexy and violent at the same time? And then she went on to say, you know, I think it's finally time that we can just stop talking about that aspect of it. And she can just be a universal character. Many other universal female protagonists are showing up on screen where they're the main character and it's not a woman main character. That's definitely true. Like, I don't, I certainly don't really think about that. You know, I can see that we're definitely moving more towards just a, a much broader acceptance of just having a female lead uh, in, a, in an action type of film, an action type of genre. Right. And, and then and then Gall went on in the same vein saying that it's about time they had a story of a female superhero and it's not pushing for feminism. And what she meant by that was it's not about coming out and being preachy and getting on a soapbox about equality and how come women aren't allowed to vote or this or that. It's the fact that Diana's coming in just going, well, this is weird. Yeah. You know, it, it's just odd to her that women don't get treated the same way since she's coming from an island where everyone has got sort of, you know, gender's not an issue. I mean, granted, she right. comes from an island that's all women. But, you know, but that's the point is that they're, it's like Diana's going to notice it, but then they're not going to go and like, you know, go pound the pavement about it. Yeah. And uh, it's such a clever way, whether it's intentional or in, in, inadvertent, it's it's probably a little bit of both, but just how they're going about doing it. You know, her coming from this world where, you know, women were completely empowered and not subservient in any sense. And she comes into this world and she's like, okay, yeah, I don't agree with that. Or like, I'm not going to be there to serve a man. And it's just, uh, it's it's such an empowering way of presenting the character. I still feel like Etta Candy is going to be kind of like that, you know, that character who kind of like she either inspires her or, you know, or they kind of, or they kind of inspire each other. Um, I was recently reading The Legend of Wonder Woman, which was a digital first series that then got put into print that really played up a, a great friendship between Diana and Etta Candy. And I, I, I would love to see some of that type of interaction in the film. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think you've mentioned this as well, Scott. I, I think Etta's going to completely play that role where, you know, she's she's going to find her empowerment in the film and you're going to see the transformation for her. That's my theory. I really do feel like that's my theory, even though she seems kind of saucy to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm just, I, I'm really going to be very curious about the character dynamics there, but I, I'm really looking forward to Lucy Davis. I think she's going to, I really think she's going to be a, a, a scene stealer in this movie. For sure. And she's at some point going to put Chris Pine in his place. Oh, you better There's believe no 
doubt about it. No, no doubt at all. So we had one more targeted, you know, precision strike interview from uh, in Glamour magazine, which Gall's on the cover of. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. I th- Isn't she on the cover of Glamour? Uh, she may be. I don't know if she's on the cover of that one. Okay. Yeah. So Glamour was talking to Patty Jenkins and she was saying that in the film she used when she says original comics, I'm guessing she probably means like the William Moulton Marston ones from like the 40s. Like, you know, I'm not sure what she means by original comics. And then the uh, Linda Carter TV show. And then she followed, she said there were rules that she believed in for Wonder Woman. She doesn't hurt people for fun. She doesn't use violence unless she has to. And when she has to, she's good at it. And and that everyone assumes that she has to be a badass. Of course she has to be a badass. But she's saying that she can be a badass doesn't mean she can't be loving, warm, funny, all those things. It's like, it's like it's not mutually exclusive. She can be all of that at the same time. And, you know, and she went on to say Wonder Woman stands for being good, loving, and truthful. I love this story. Jenkins says that she has an eight-year-old son and he's like, Mommy, I need the new Wonder Woman doll. Uh, well, he's a new Wonder Woman and talking about like the action figure or something. And he says he's not embarrassed. It doesn't occur to him that you don't need Wonder Woman to come and kick ass for your storyline. Like, <laughs> he's like, I want a Wonder Woman action figure, which I love because that's always been like this stereotypical idea by toy companies that we don't make female action figures because boys won't want to play with them. And I really, I want those Wonder Woman toys to fly off the shelf just to prove that misguided notion wrong. Right, for sure. Yeah, in that first series of that Mattel, like the multiverse series of the Wonder Woman film action yes. figures, it's three of them are female, like two of them are Wonder Woman, and then we have uh, Hippolyta, and then we just have the one that's Steve Trevor, which is I think is really cool. So it was definitely very much focused on um, the female character side. Yeah, and then of course you, you get all four of them and you can build Ares. Yeah, so. yeah. Alright, so we got a couple magazine covers, and these are always kind of fun, and this is, again, you know, more like targeted surgical strikes when it comes to the marketing here. These are a couple magazines that I'm just not real familiar with. One of them is called Grand Cinema. <laughs> Which I'm not familiar with. I am familiar with Marie Claire, though. I know that one. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that magazine. I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't subscribe anymore, <laughs> actually. You, you, where do you get, and where do you get your fitness survival <laughs> guide, Tim? I, I mean, know. honestly. <laughs> uh, I mean, so like one of them is uh, just a, a, a really cool pose of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. And uh, the other one is just kind of focusing in on... It's a fashion shoot. Yeah, yeah it's a fashion shoot. So uh, really cool. But there's going to be some interviews coming out of those, and we don't have those at this point. Yeah, and Marie Claire has been doing a lot of cross-promotion with Wonder Woman because there was a thing where like you could uh, subscribe to Marie Claire and uh, win a trip to the premiere. So right, yeah. There's already been a relationship set up there between Marie Claire and Warner Brothers anyway. So, you know. And I like, and you keep on hitting, it's targeted marketing. Mm-hmm. They're trying to let that female-driven audience know this movie's coming. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Now, some more targeted marketing pretty much in your face. It's really going after. <laughs> I don't think this is targeted. I think this is just there. Yeah, it's just there. I mean, I, I assume this is Times Square. This looks like the same place I always see, you know, Warner Brothers advertise their big DC films because uh, it's right above that subway. Yeah. Uh, so this, I think this is t- close to Times Square, but just giant billboards. That's probably just a sight to see. I wish I was there right now. Yeah, it's saying the Wonder Woman, June 2nd. If you yeah. didn't know when this movie was coming out. <laughs> yeah, and they pretty much hit all the posters. Like, I think there's the three main posters that we've seen. Uh, there's four. There's actually the... There... Fourth one's like a repeat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a fourth poster that wasn't, that isn't used in these Times Square advertisements. But still, it's like, there's no doubt there's a movie coming out called Wonder Woman. Yeah. So, okay. So I got to talk about this now. I thought you did. I thought you would. I thought yeah, you would. Yeah, this one kind of excited me quite a bit. Now, so the question is, okay, let me just kind of back up. 
up a little bit. Saeed Tagmawi, who is playing Samir in the Wonder Woman film. Samir was a character that, at least from the DC lore, we didn't, you know, nobody, there's no real Samir character that of any note in the DC lore. So it just looked like it was going to be some kind of companion or associate with Chris Pine's character in this film. Now, early on, a long time ago, he had kind of revealed that he was going to be playing some type of hero in, uh, he, and he had described it as superhero. And he was going to be playing some kind of superhero in this film. And then he kind of backed off from it. And then we haven't heard anything for the longest time. Well, he just posted something over on Instagram and he put a picture of himself. And it was the, it was that same shot uh, that was that he had posted a long time ago of him and Chris Pine. Well, he posted a picture of him and then he posted a picture of an old character in DC lore from the Blackhawk Squadron. And it's a character named Andre. And my God, is it a spitting image between the two? Yes, it is. I, I know who the Blackhawks are. Yeah, but I was not familiar with this particular character. It's more like I know the Blackhawks as a as a team. I know the Blackhawks as a, a concept in DC lore, but I don't know the individual members of the squadron. Now, I read a lot of Blackhawks when I was a kid because I, it was one of these things where my mother had picked up like a big stack of comic books from a garage sale, and whoever it was that sold these things had a big long run of the Blackhawks when it was basically moved over to DC. Blackhawks was purchased from I think it was Quality Comics, and uh, so when DC took ownership, they published their own series. And, uh, and it was like, I think I must've had like about a 25 issue run or so. And so I really got into the Blackhawks and basically what it is, it's a, it's a group of pilots from the world war two era and they're all from different countries. And so the Blackhawks basically are independent. They don't, they're not, they're not, uh, uh, beholden to any particular country on itself, but they're just there to try to do what they can to help fight back against the Germans. I think with most of the stories were against the Germans. Well, they first, they, first appeared in 1941 so they were world war ii characters yeah so they're all world war ii but uh so anyway um so they just had a wide range of characters and if they actually go back uh, before dc had actually purchased them they even had uh, a chinese character very it was a kind of a very racist uh portrayal of this chinese character named chop chop oh like that name doesn't that name doesn't sound racist or stereotypical at all i don't know what you're talking about you need to uh, you need to see the images <laughs> it's it's bad like it's i i, I can i can imagine based based on what 40s cartoons yeah. Yeah. like of, of people from Asian descent, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, I trust think me, I know exactly I know. what it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so he was one of these characters. He was, I think he was French. I'm pretty sure he was French. I mean, based on the name as well. But he he was just like this big, like womanizer type of character. And uh, so I don't know. I mean, I think Saeed, he's a Muslim and I think he's from France, but that would be really cool if he's actually playing this character. So it really kind of got me thinking like, my God, you know, are, are we actually going to see the potential for an expansion of, you know, this world they set up in, you know, the early 1900s. Or, or can we see a Blackhawks team come out of this thing? That would be so awesome. That would be real awesome. And then then I started kind of thinking to myself, like, oh my God, you know, because we had talked about, well, Chris Pine, unfortunately, he's going to be in this film. And unless they do something crazy, he's, you know, he's not going to be in modern day. But my God, you can create a whole franchise around the Blackhawks character. <laughs> you know, if you can make a little squadron that, what if Chris Pine, Steve Trevor, ends up becoming Blackhawk? Oh, oh, I don't know if they would do it, but that Why not? So, Why wouldn't they? I, 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 I only, you know, you, you would have to, it would be diversification to the point of let's do something tied to the DC universe, but not superhero related. Yeah, but why not? I'm just, I'm, I'm just being pragmatic here going, <laughs> I'm not sure if the movie executives are thinking as liberally as you are right now. Oh, I don't know, man. I think you put Chris Pine and a bunch of other people, you know, around him. I mean, I think you've just got instant potential anyway. You know, I mean, it's not, it's not going to be a 
know, big film like Wonder Woman or Batman or Superman. But, you know, if you if you're trying to do something that's kind of centered around a period, uh, I would assume probably by the time this film, Wonder Woman film ends that we're actually, you know, we're actually at uh, the end of the war. So, well, the photo, the photos from 1918, which was the end of the war. Yeah, so. it was the end of the war. And so maybe this is actually leading up to, you know, you could you could potentially have this lead up to, you know, World War Two. So I don't know. I, I It just got me really kind of excited thinking of the possibilities like, oh, my God, you know, if, if they were willing to take that kind of a risk and and do some type of film like this, then, I mean, it's it's a unique type of it's a unique group from the DC lore. And uh, I think it'd be a lot of fun, especially if you get into the real fantastical elements like they, you know, the Blackhawks, they had battles against a lot of like, you know, Hitler's prototype weapons and war machines and all that. And, and they were very fantastical in nature, like the, the famous one you've seen, you've probably seen if you read any DC comics, uh, it's shown up multiple times. It was called the War Wheel. So it was this giant metal uh, wheel with these big spikes on it. And it was this, it was this Nazi weapon and they would battle against that. <laughs> so you could just have some really crazy things. And then the Justice League cartoon, they had him going up against Vandal Savage. True. So, you know, yeah. it, it works. Well, enough of your of your nerding out there. I mean, that was just that was just embarrassing how, how much you were just geeking out right there, Tim. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, who's dorky now, Tim? Who's dorky now? Well, that would be you because you're going to be talking box office numbers. Uh, that, 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 that's... Shut up. Why do I put up with you? I don't know why. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about box office tracking, which just means all over the flipping place. I mean, nobody seems to know, you know, where these numbers are going. Now, tickets had gone on sale at least by the first of uh, by the first week in May. Tick, uh, tickets had gone on sale in special places. The big push for ticket sales started today. I think like it. I don't know what was going on, but like Warner Brothers started sending out the emails today saying that tickets were on sale. Fandango started their big promotions of buy tickets and get their usual, you know, like Comicsology digital comic bundles. So the big push for ticket sales was now, which seemed to be they waited until a full week, a full week after Guardians came out to start saying, hey, tickets are on sale. So I hope that these box off tracking numbers may be kind of, I don't know, sort of tighten up because right now you got people saying anything from 65 million opening weekend domestic all the way up to there is at least 115 million projection out there. So I'm just talking about that is the full range from the lowest to the absolute pie in the sky highest people are talking about. And so it's just like, who, who are you going to believe right now? Yeah, I mean, so just kind of looking at these numbers to kind of put it in perspective, um, you know, we have a wide range because I think there's just so much unpredictability at this point. But let's compare that to how some films have actually opened up uh, some recent films. Uh, so just looking at the recent Marvel films, Ant-Man opened up domestically. The opening weekend was 57 million. Doctor Strange was 85 million. Captain America First Avenger was 65 million and Thor was 66 million. Uh, so comparing that to some DC films, uh, let's go back a little bit of time here. Batman Begins was 49 million. Green Lantern was 53 million. So, and then we look at the two DCEU films. Well, the two of the three, I, I, we didn't have uh, Man, Man of Steel, Steel here. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know offhand what Man of Steel's numbers are, but uh, the second DCEU film, Batman v Superman, opened up domestically to 166 million. Huge number. And then Suicide Squad was 133 million, which I was kind of amused. The article had talked about it as being disappointing. <laughs> 
which is just silly. Uh, but so, so you have a wide range. If we just kind of take all these films that are pretty popular, you range anywhere from 57, uh, let's say 57 million, the more modern films, 57 million up to 166. So we're probably saying it was estimated about a month ago that it was right around 83 million for Wonder Woman was what the initial uh, trackers were saying. So I think that 83 million is probably a little low, but I'm guessing this thing might get up to like 85 to 90 million or so at this point. I guess that'd be my best guess. I'm ho- I'm still hoping for the 100. I'm still hoping for a triple digit here. I, I feel like she has name recognition. It is a first solo movie. And that's what I like about these comparative numbers. When you look at the Marvel, when you look at the Marvel movie numbers, these are all first appearance movies. Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, Captain America vs. Avenger, Thor. So, and those ranged anywhere from 57 to 85. Yeah. So, and, and once again, it's like even if you say it's 65 million or you say it's 75 million or you say it's 83 million, you know, everyone seems to be spinning this number into, oh, this is disappointing. No, this is on par with movies of its of its stature. But I still am hoping that with Wonder Woman being that first mod, first real modern big budget uh, female-led superhero movie, because, you know, as Rebecca Johnson will remind me, technically Supergirl had the first in female-led superhero movie back in 1984. But if we're talking like big budget, Wonder Woman's it. And, you know, I'm hoping for at least 100 million. But if it makes less than that, then, you know, she would fall in with other movies of her ilk, mm-hmm. of first appearance solo movies. Right. And and I think what I said when I talked about this before, the only reason I have it a little lower, you know, and not quite reaching 100 million is just simply because there's so much competition right now uh, with all the, the films coming out in summertime. And so, you know, some people only have so much money they can spend for entertainment. And so you're competing with uh, just so many other films out right now. Uh, we've got, what, Alien Covenant coming out soon? Yes. So, I mean, you've got that. And of course, we just had Guardians. Guardians. And, and then Spider-Man will come out like a month after. Right. So I think the box office will be depressed simply just because of that. Because, you know, there's only so much money that some people can spend on this. They can't go see everything. And so people are going to have to pick and choose. And so... Well, you should pick and choose Wonder Woman is what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think that's what you're saying. Now, you had a point earlier. You said something about, uh, you know, looking at this box office versus how much was invested. Yeah. Okay. So when you say that uh, BVS had $166 million opening, but then it had a production budget of about, what, $250 million, I think is what we said. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, Wonder Woman's production budget was about half of that. So the idea is that if Wonder Woman has a more, quote, modest opening, that maybe isn't seen as a bad thing for Warner Brothers because the movie also didn't cost them as much. So profitability becomes an issue here where, yes, the number might be lower, but the profit margin may be higher. So, but the problem is, of course, some people are just going to report the number without taking into account, well, how much did the movie actually cost the studio? So does that define your, uh, how does that define success to you? Right. Because I think Wonder Woman, the number I've heard kicking around is like, like 100 million, like I said, which is, which is actually less than half the budget of BVS. Right. So, you know, it doesn't have to do a $150 million opening to be considered a success. If it made it, if it did a hundred or 150 million, it'd be like, dang, you know, it's like, we're talking, you know, aside from marketing, it's like, we're in the black already. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. You guys got to remember, this goes way beyond feature films. There's a lot of revenue that's going to come in just simply tied to this intellectual property. So, you know, the feature film is going to bring in such amount of money, but you know, when it comes to Time Warner and Warner Brothers, you know, they want to merchandise, just merchandise, merchandise this thing. Merchandise. Yeah. You're seeing, you're seeing a lot of merchandise out there right now. You know, it's big picture wise. This is all kind of like part of the plan, you know, just put 
put out a good film, get some exposure, and there's revenue streams coming in from so many different areas now. Yeah. Well, speaking of one revenue stream coming in, the soundtrack album is now available for pre-order. Yeah. And I, I we were talking on our little um, host group, and I, I called it, well, the soundtrack passes the, the Scott test. Mm-hmm. And, and Tim was like, what's the Scott test? I said, it's like Goldilocks for spoilers. This is just right. No, that's too spoilery. That's not spoilery enough. And this is like, nope. Looking at these track titles, nothing about this makes me go, oh, dang, I wish I hadn't read that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and you know, I loved your little Goldilocks analogy, which I will use again someday. And just uh, surprisingly, you actually did watch the final trailer as well. Yeah, so as I... much crap as you gave me on 101, <laughs> I saw that thing that I actually saw it before you saw it. That's what I have to say. I listened to that episode, and you talk about, oh, I didn't sleep till like 11 o'clock or something. Well, dang it, Tim, I saw it before you saw it, so kiss my butt. I mean, okay. honestly. Yeah, honestly. But there was no reaction uh, from you on social media. Do I have so. to react? I can just watch it and enjoy it myself. I don't have to overshare. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm just trying to be the, the great detective and figure out if you actually watched Which it. Which means you failed, sir. <laughs> you failed. But you were saved by Chris Rimmer anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, thank, you, thank you, Chris. Yep. You guys are now even. All right. Uh, sorry. I had to interject there real yeah, quick. You just, just, okay. Back to the soundtrack. Back to the, Back soundtrack. To the soundtrack. Okay. Uh, it's mainly score by Rupert Gregson Williams. Uh, but there will be a single on here. And uh, Tim and I had to look this person up because we had, we're old white men who have no idea who <laughs> this person is. And turns out she is a pop artist from Australia. Her name is Sia. She'll be releasing a song called To Be Human featuring Labyrinth. Yep. Uh, we looked her up on Apple Music. We would say that she falls under the category of like top 40 radio pop. Yeah. A lot of lot of um, synthesizer techno kind of background, would you say? Mm-hmm. Pretty much, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and we didn't see this, and we didn't see this song anywhere in her previous album. So apparently this is going to be one of those exclusive singles to the soundtrack. But it seems to be very much something that's probably going to fall in the credits area oh, of the film. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's, uh, there's 14 other score titles uh, before that, and we reviewed it. We don't think there's anything that's uh, going to give anything away. So no, I mean I, I, I'm not I'm not adverse to it. So I mean honestly, I think I'm like the litmus for a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's just have a little fun speculating. I'm going to rattle off a couple of these titles, and I want to see what that makes you think of when you hear it. Okay. All right. So um, Amazon's of Themyscira is the very first track. Well, I'm sure that's going to have something to do with Themyscira. There we go. <laughs> Man, you nailed it. So I was kind of wondering. We know there's going to be probably some little history lesson here. In fact, that's actually the title of the say, second one. <laughs> second track is called History Lesson. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, we know there's going to be some kind of battle of some sort or some kind of reference to some great Amazonian battle in the past. And so I kind of wonder if that's what it is. You kind of open up explaining like, who are these Amazons? What are they all about? You know, like, what is an Amazon? What's their little history? And that, uh, those kind of go with those two first two tracks. So that's kind of what I figure. So we talked about, you know, there, you have to have some kind of background. And I think that's probably what it'll be, just like the history lesson. There's Angel on the Wing, mm-hmm. which I think maybe will have something to do with Steve Trevor because we know that he steals a plane, and that's when he crashes right off the shores of Themyscira. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that's what I'm guessing. Yep. Uh, the next one's called Ludendorff Enough, which I believe Ludendorff is Danny Houston's character. Right, it is. So somebody's scolding him, mm-hmm. you know, possibly Dr. Poison. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, pain, loss, and love, I'm guessing, is maybe after the German invasion of Themyscira. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I would imagine so, because I, uh, I think we've heard ahead of time that they're going to win the battle, but they're going to take a lot of losses. Right. 
right. Uh, no Man's Land, which I'm guessing is going to be the epic track uh, of her, you know, storming the German lines. Mm-hmm, right. I expect that one to be like a big, bombastic action track. Yeah, probably. Got one called Fausta, uh, which I had to look it up because I didn't know my Italian, but it's it's a female name, which I guess originates as meaning lucky. Okay. So, wasn't sure what to make of that. I, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on Fausta? See, I just think of Dr. Faust, so, yeah. you know, that's, that's where my brain goes. Wonder Woman's Wrath. Probably when she's kicking somebody's butt. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. And then we have one, The God of War. Okay, so this apparently is sometime at, you know, this is going to be probably Ares. And then my question is, like, is this going to be like his, probably like his theme or something? Or like, you know, yeah. when, when he finally is revealed in the film? Which, by the way, thank you for the fact he's not been revealed in any trailer whatsoever. Yeah, they've done a great job on that. That's, that's been really good. I, I want to see how that feels to finally see Ares in live action in the film. Because, I mean, we had the, the opposite experience with Batman v Superman with Doomsday. Yeah, I know. Uh, we are all to blame. I'm, I, hmm, I wonder if that has something to, I don't know. I feel like that has something to do with, like, the war. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all to blame. I'm, I'm very, I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. Um, Hell hath no fury. Probably Wonder Woman kicking some more butt. Mm-hmm. Lightning strikes. So, I don't know. I just kind of associated that one with Ares. Yeah, especially because of that, um, that moment that Brent refers to as the F-off laser. Yeah. <laughs> in the last trailer. Right. Patent pending. Copyright. Yep. Brent Clark, DC TV Squadcast. Trafalgar Celebration. Of course, that's uh, that's at the end of the war. Yes, absolutely. Then Action Reaction. Ah. Uh, what is that? No idea. Now, the question is that if these tracks go in order that they appear in the film. Yeah. Yeah, that's always a question. These kind of feel like they might be in the right order. Yeah, because sometimes the album, when you get score albums, sometimes they're in order, sometimes they're not. Yeah. Because like Batman v Superman was not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So that that was a little fun. I, I think this, does that soundtrack, do you know the date that actually comes out? Uh, well, I've seen two dates. Uh, I've heard that it comes out the same day as the movie, but Amazon tells me that I'm going to get my CD delivered on May 30th. Okay. So flip a coin. I, I, I don't know which one to believe. I've seen at least two or three different sources tell me that it comes out the same day as the movie, but maybe they've changed it and Amazon is right in saying that I'll get it like that Tuesday. Because CDs, CDs like books typically get released on Tuesdays. Right, right. Okay. All right. Well, so, man, we're getting close. We're less than three weeks away. Oh, yeah. Uh, got a little bit of Justice League news. Uh, Fabian Wagner, who is the cinematographer for Justice League, was on Instagram and posted the following comment. No doubt the most fun day I ever had shooting and one of my favorite shots. And the shot is that scene from the Batman teaser that came out right before the Justice League trailer of Batman standing on the gargoyle with the lightning behind him. Sweet. He's standing on top of Grayskull, right? <laughs> he kind of looks like By him. The pa- yeah, um, <laughs> you know, thank you thank you for the He-Man reference. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's a great shot. So what's good is, like, he made it sound like he actually took that shot. Like, it's it's not just all CG, because that was, like, the one thing I was wondering. Yeah, well, I think the background is CG, but, but maybe Batman on the gargoyle. And a lot of shots like this, you'll even have the characters, you know, just CG, because they have all that stuff pretty much developed now, all the models and all that. Yeah. But, yeah, it sounds like Fabian actually uh, took this one, so that's just really cool. I'd like to see what else he filmed that day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got to get to this one. We got to get to this controversy that literally just popped up yesterday. So you want you want you take lead on this because you actually watched the video. I've only heard it. Okay, so Diane Lane, who plays Martha. Why did you say that name? <laughs> Diane Lane, who plays Martha. Why did you say that name? <laughs> okay, I think two's your limit. <laughs> just keep going. Come on. Yeah, Diane Lane... <laughs> 
Diane Lane, who plays Martha, who is, of course, Superman's Earth mother uh, in Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. She kind of stirred up a little bit of controversy here. She was actually on the show, Watch What Happens Live, with Andy Cohen. And she was actually on there with Jim Parsons. And so uh, they're on there live and true to the name of the show. They want to see what happens. So he was taking some live questions. And somebody called in and asked this question. Basically, you know, what did she, you know, what could she reveal about any kind of Justice League spoilers? And also her second question was, if the film is going to be any better than the Avengers? And so Diane basically was listening to the two questions and she was trying to think of what to say. And then she said, no and no. She was short but honest. I hate to disappoint. Well, she didn't really think because it was really quick. I mean, she said the question and she just went, no and no, short but sweet, hate to be honest. Like she was moving on. She just kept on moving when it came to that question. All right. So that's kind of what started the controversy. So, of course, the controversy and the headlines that I saw, and I just didn't read the story because I don't click on those headlines anymore, was Justice League star says it won't be as good as the Avengers. Mm -hmm. That was the story. Right. Uh, and I'm like you, Scott. I don't I don't click on those headlines either. I just like, okay, I'm going to just let this BS just settle down before I even try to figure out what the story is all about. And then as I was prepping, and then as I was prepping show notes this afternoon, by the time I read the story, Diane Lane's representatives had already issued a statement regarding those comments. And here was what the, and it was comicbook.com that reached out to Diane Lane and her representatives released this statement. Diane meant, quote, sorry to disappoint, end quote, in reference to revealing anything concerning Justice League that is not already out in the public and was declining to comment on a film, Avengers, that she had not seen. She is thrilled to continue her role as Martha Kent and appreciates your excitement for Justice League. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to clarify this. And that was to comicbook.com. So, typical PR type of uh, response. Because you better believe Warner Brothers went WTF, Diane. (laughs) Yeah, and and even if they didn't, I mean, I think it's pretty clear, you know, when you start getting all kinds of calls and questions, like, okay, you know, know, especially her PR people probably go, yeah, we're going to just kind of nip this one in the bud. Although it seems like it w- didn't happen until comicbook.com had reached out to her. That, uh, what what the comicbook.com article said was, we reached out and this is the response we received. Yeah. So, at any rate, so I, I watched the video and just because like, for some reason I want to care about something that's kind of meaningless. <laughs> but I, I watched it and I, and I was like, you know what? Clearly she was mostly referring in my mind to not giving any spoilers. But if you kind of look at what she said, she, it's kind of hard to argue that she said it's, it's not going to be better than Avengers. I mean, that's kind of what her second no was. Now, when I kind of first thought about that is like, I kind of thought to myself, like, I don't think she even really knows what this Justice League film is. Like, she's probably hardly seen anything in it. You know, all, all she probably knows are like the few scenes that she's in, if that. And and as the statement from her reps say, and I believe this, I, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna here. I, I truly believe that Diane Lane is probably the type of person who has not seen the Avengers. Yeah, that's kind of what I think as well. So, now, the way she answered it was very unfortunate that there's no denying that and i'm not going to try to say oh no if you it really if you do this the, no it, it sounded bad yeah. it's it sounded bad and it stirred up all the clickbait but it just sound but but maybe if you want to read it she's like no 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 no, no I'm, I'm not going to give any spoils in justice league no i'm not going to comment on whether justice league is better than avengers but the way she said it sounds like no i'm not going to give spoilers and no it's not going to be better than the avengers right. that is if you take literally what she said, that is how you would interpret that. Now, I want to say this. Now, Scott, you and I are in the media now, right? So we have very personal experience of doing this. How many times have you and I been in the middle recording and either you or I or both of us at multiple times have said something and we're like,
like, um, yeah, I'm just going to cut that out. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, it's already happened how many times tonight? <laughs> yes, that's happened It's called tonight. the power of editing. <laughs> it's the power of editing. So, like, we can attest to how often it is that you just, something comes out wrong, or you misspeak, or me as uh, the editor of the show, as, I, as I'm producing the episode, I'm going back and listening, and there might have been something that I said, or that Scott said, that I didn't catch while we were recording, and just in, you know, in retrospect, as you're listening to it, I'm like, well, you know, I'm just going to take that out, because that, I know that's what Scott might have been saying, but it came out wrong, and and I'll trim some of that stuff out, just because I don't want to give the wrong impression about things. Like, we've done that before, <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, who who wouldn't? Yeah, right. and so, so that's basically it. You know, this is a live show, so this happens to Scott and I all the time. We misspeak. We say something that comes out wrong. <laughs> we say something stupid. We you say know, something stupid. It happens all the time, and so I give a hundred percent complete pass to people like this. And so in this case, I, I give Diane Lane a hundred percent pass on us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's understandable. It's unfortunate. There's no telling. It, it's unfortunate, but it's understandable. Right. And we only and we only have her word from her representative saying this is what she meant. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's enough about that. Yeah. That's enough about that. Let's go to Henry Cavill still trolling Green Lantern because he is not stopping. And yeah. it's kind of, some people find it annoying. I just find it adorable. It's like yeah. you do you go, Henry. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh so Henry was at the Art of DC, the Dawn of the Superheroes exhibition in Paris the other day. And so he started posting some images on Instagram. So he <laughs> gave some amusing looks standing in front of some of these statues. Uh one in front of him and himself as Superman, a statue of himself. Uh then a great one of him standing in front of Batman in the armored <laughs> suit. Just kind of like a really annoyed, kind of like ticked off look on his face. And then of course he did his trolling one where there was a little exhibition showing uh, the cover of first appearance of the Silver Age Green Lantern uh, in Showcase. And he's standing right next to it and he's kind of got that little, I don't know, what, how would you describe that look on his face? Uh, it's kind of like a hmm? Because yeah. his eyebrows <laughs> are even raised. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. So he's just having a lot of fun with this thing. And uh, I don't know. We're uh, So Scott, we haven't talked about this in a while. Where do you think this is going? Is he just purely having fun? I really, but I really want to believe there's going to be some sort of Green Lantern Justice League. I really do. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to there being something. If only a, a ring or a mention of the Guardians something. or Oa or right. something. Yeah. So I mean, this is probably the sixth or seventh, maybe eighth time that he's done something. Oh, that Henry Cavill personally has done this. That Henry Cavill personally has done this on his own, kind of teasing Green Lantern. So you just keep going. Uh, it's, it's kind of fun. Okay, Scott. So we got a little bit of Aquaman news here. I know. Yeah. So we have a young Arthur Curry that has been cast. So this is a, a young Australian actor by the name of Otis Dehanji. It looks like he's in his very early teens, or at least that's what the age he's going to be portraying Arthur Curry as. And so he's never been in any film. He's a stage actor. And he's actually going to be playing, like I said, Arthur Curry at the age of 13. And what we do know is that from this report that he's going to be shooting for six days, primarily in May. And then he's going to have some follow-up filming a little bit like a few months later. Yeah, and this comes from Screen Rant reporting that there was an IMDb cast list request. So, you know, and 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 people have run with, and like legitimate sources have run with this. So I'm guessing right. this is this is legit. And then the next one is something that you read. I was worried to dismiss it, and you would tell me to, you know, back back the truck up. So yeah. you take this one. Okay, so, so Sean Gerber from Superhero News reported that some of his sources are saying that there's going to be certain types of what he described as humanoid-type creatures in the 
film. And let me just kind of go on the way he described it. He said that these creatures are going to be half man, half fish. They're going to have arms, legs, fins, big heads, big eyes, and very long and very sharp teeth. Sounds very familiar to me. Yeah, sure does. So it sounds like Jeff John's run on Aquaman where they introduced the trench. Why don't you explain a little bit about the trench? Uh, well, the trench was the very first arc of uh, Jeff John's run on Aquaman. And they were creatures who were like primordial. Like they had encountered Atlantis before, but they, they literally lived in a trench. And then some kind of activity causes them to be released. And it's basically just the these big giant sea monsters that just rise out of the trench and attack anyone and everyone. And so Aquaman has to fight them off. I mean, without giving away too much spoiler, like, I mean, because you need to go and read Jeff John's run on Aquaman because it was fantastic. Right. So here's a little more information. So what he's understanding, the way these characters are going to be presented, that they're going to be a lot of practical effects and maybe a little bit of CGI. But he said that the plan is to have their faces and heads to be animatronic. Okay, that's good. Yeah. And then he said, in addition to that, that there were these six main characters. And it was a little unclear when I listened to it, but it sounds like they're going to be associated with these same other characters. But these are going to be six distinct characters that are all going to have their own personalities. And uh, he said, you know, they're going to be humanoid uh, up on top and fish down below. And so Sean was kind of speculating that, you know, maybe this fits into the realm of like the Deep Six. That's like an old group. And I, and so this could be like a tie to Dark Side or Apocalypse if it's, you know, if, if these creatures are kind of tied to that. So kind of interesting. And, and we're reported only because it seems like this is probably legit that, you know, there's something along these lines if, if Sean Gerber's reporting it. Well, and with James Wan's horror background, this would be, this would be a great sort of horror movie monster spin to put on the Aquaman movie. Absolutely. And, you know, James Wan also is used to dealing with pretty small budgets with this film. So I, I can see him doing a lot of practical effects for this type of thing. And those always look better, in my opinion. So, yeah. okay. Interesting. Doug Lyman was doing an interview. He has a new movie coming out called The Wall, and he was talking to Cinema Blend about it. But in the interview, he started talking about what he called Justice League Dark, which we've also known as Dark Universe. And these are the comments he made. I think people will be surprised how character-driven and how intimate Justice League Dark is in kind of a field of bloated comic book movies. We found a way to do something that's actually really personal and small, and that's my goal. My new movie, The Wall, is about character. The scenario allows me to dive into what I think is, I just love people. I love putting people in crazy situations. For John Constantine, we have an amazing setup for him for Justice League Dark that's really human. So, takeaways. One, Justice League Dark is still happening. Yes. Even though this is the first time in forever we've heard anything. Mm -hmm. Two, confirmation that John Constantine is going to be a character in this movie. Yeah. And I like I like the idea of personal, small, character-driven. Sounds like a horror movie to me in a mm -hmm. way. It and, does. And yeah. oh golly gee, yes, is what I can say about that. Yeah. Um, I, I like the fact that it's called Justice League Dark now instead of Dark Universe. I, mm -hmm. I, I prefer that title. And I hope this is still happening. I, I, well, it sounds like it's still happening, and that makes me happy. It's just like it's just gone radio silent for so long. Yeah. Well, you got to remember, I mean, he's been really focusing on his other film, and and it's also been radio silent because there's so many other things that are kind of in front of it that are getting a lot of attention. You know, the Ben Affleck and the solo Batman film, of course, grabs a ton of attention. Uh, so he's kind of been able to fly underneath the radar here, but I'm kind of allowing moving this thing up as like a dark horse, and maybe this is something that could get done. You know, for 2018. Yeah, kind of filling in that missing movie now that Flash and Batman won't be happening in 2018 at this yeah. point. So I, you know, and without knowing too much more about like how far along they are in the development of this, I mean, this thing has been in development for quite a while. I mean, this goes way back to Guillermo del Toro uh, was attached to this film. So I think, you know, this thing could be, this thing could be further along than we think. 
And, you know, if once he's done with the wall and all the promote the promoting that goes with that, I mean, this could be the next project he jumps right into. And it sounds like he's and he's talking kind of enthusiastically about this. So that's good. That's very good. Yeah. And if it's going to be um, if it's going to be a pretty character driven type of film, then, you know, I, I can see this thing maybe being executed a little bit faster. OK, um, quick little note about a personal favorite writer of Tim's and myself, uh, Marv Wolfman of I'm sorry, if you don't know who Marv Wolfman is, go away. No, 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 seriously. No, classic comic writer, New Teen Titans, Carson Infinite Earth, the list goes on and on. Uh, he's also made quite a career of himself for uh, novelizations of recent, and he novelized Suicide Squad, and that novelization has been nominated for a Scribe Award. Uh, he's been nominated in the category of Adapted, General, and Speculative, and he was previously awarded a Scribe in this category for his novelization of Superman Returns, and was nominated for his novelization of Batman Arkham Knight, which is a novelization of the video game. Did you ever read his novelization of Crisis on Infinite Earths? No, my dad did, and he really enjoyed it. Did he? Okay. Yes, um, because my dad's never read the comic, and he read that, and I started to read the novelization before I read the comic, but I liked what it really did, from what I read, is that it really focused on Barry, Mm. kind of telling the events kind of through Barry's eyes in a way, uh, from what I read. I never finished it, but my dad did, and he really enjoyed it. That's cool. I was going through my bookshelf, and I had that book up there, which I've never had a chance to read yet, and uh, I pulled that thing out. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to move this upstairs in my bedroom, and I'm just going to put it off of my nightstand there, and just something that I want to try to get in and read at some point. Yeah, I think it, what it does is that it bas- he basically trimmed it down to where he focused on like three or four different characters. Yeah, you'd have to. Alexander Alexander Luther of Earth 3, and mainly Barry, and kind of told the story through their perspectives. That's cool. Alright, well, good for him. Hopefully we can win that one as well. TV News. Black Lightning has been picked up for series by the CW. Was there any doubt? I mean, honestly. No, there, there wasn't. Um, the only question I had in my mind was, is this going to replace your show or not? Shut up. Shut. That needs to die. This needs to die a, <laughs> a fiery, quick death. Okay. Um, but I do wonder if it's going to take over Thursday nights. Yeah. I, I really feel like Legends of Tomorrow is going to stay over on Tuesday nights because I feel like CW knows that it needs the Flash lead in. It needs a little help, yeah. It needs help. And then Black Lightning will probably get that Thursday night spot. Yeah. So we'll still get 40, four nights of television. See, but I'm also, I see, I'm kind of thinking this may actually go behind Arrow. Ooh. What what airs behind Arrow now? Is it iZombie? See, I don't even know. No, 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 no. iZombie is now after Flash. When Legends of Tomorrow, Legends of Tomorrow and iZombie, like, do musical chairs on their time slot. Okay, very good. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know because I don't watch it live on CW. I, I usually either record them or I just watch it from iTunes. See, I do the I do the CW app, so yeah. I don't know either. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so it's so it's on series, so it's another Greg Berlanti production. The only question is, I mean, if it's on CW, I think it's going to be part of the Arrowverse. The only question is, which Earth is it going to be on? Right. Since we do have the multiverse to play with. Uh, any any personal requests of which Earth it will be on? Um, I mean, it could be a whole new one for all I care. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be the one. All right. I, I like the idea that they've kind of well established the idea of a multiverse now in the CW. Yeah. Okay. That I think I think to me that kind of gives the showrunners a little bit more creative freedom if they can do that and then just have an occasional crossover. Yay. All right. Uh, moving on to Gotham. Gotham got renewed this week for f- season four. Yeah. Boy, didn't we predict the death of the show <laughs> at the end of season two? No, we predicted the death of season one. You know, it was it was like we were like season two better like. Well, season season two was was already set to happen when we started our show. I think, wasn't it? I don't remember. I don't, I don't know. Remember, it was, that was that was too long ago. That was 100 episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, because, you know, season two, then season three, 
season three's been it's been no it's it's had its ups and downs i i've liked it a little bit since it came back especially that great riddler episode uh so i don't know i mean it it's it's not doing great on its live numbers but no show is doing great on its live numbers right now that's true yeah yeah i always look at those live numbers and i kind of take everything with a grain of salt because there's so many people that are just not watching live anymore yeah i mean i, I watch who i watch on hulu i mean that's how i watch gotham so and on the on on a similar note with only about four or five episodes aired i zombie on the cw has been renewed for a fourth season which makes me happy because i really do enjoy that show they it, it picked up at the end of season two and season three has been cooking with gas is it okay yeah because this was something i was watching with jamie and we kind of like stopped watching we had switched over to something else you know, we've been watching uh, 13 reasons why right now but this is one that i think we do want to pick up again because i know she definitely enjoyed it and it was it was definitely uh, i think it was a fun show to watch uh so i'm i'm behind a whole season at this point oh well i'll tell you this season one was very episodic season two developed an arc towards the end of the season and then season three is just continuing where season two left off so i'm i'm much more of an arc guy so the more arc it got through season two the more i kind of got a little it got a little bit more of my must watch list instead of the oh i'll binge it later kind of list i'm just amazed at how well all these warner brothers television shows have been doing i mean they kind of have an they have a a streak here where everything keeps getting renewed. Why don't you tell us about Powerless? It's canceled. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, that one, I think we we accurately predicted that one. Oh my God, we were predicting that even before the first episode aired. Yeah, I mean, it, they just never put that much into it. It wasn't good. I'm sorry. In personal opinion here, it just wasn't funny. It was okay. It, for me, it was okay. Like, I, I, I thought they just needed to be more absurd with it, but, you know, that's fine. I thought they needed to tie it more into the DC universe. And I, I really feel like that when, when they fired the original creator, Ben Queen, and revamped it to Wayne Security instead of the insurance company. I, you know, they said they it helped. I don't think it did. I think the insurance company would have been funnier, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So the only question now is there is about two or three episodes left in the season that did not air. And so the question just becomes, will they ever burn those episodes off? I mean, I'm sure you'll be able to buy it on iTunes or something like that. Yeah, I'm wondering like if they'll put it on Hulu or something, because, you know, you can get Powerless on Hulu, which is how I've been watching it. So, mm, yeah, I don't know. Uh, which, by the way, uh, completely random. You can sit, watch all of season one of Preacher on Hulu right now. Yeah. So one show dies, another one is born. Krypton. Yes. Order for series. I'm, I'm kind of pumped about this one, Scott. I've talked about this on a few different occasions. Like, I, I just want like a good sci-fi show. And I kind of feel like this has potential to do that. And the fact that it could actually be tied to something that I really enjoy, the DC Universe, I mean, is even better. But I kind of like, I'm kind of excited that the, the network sci-fi is trying to get back to its roots right now and try to build up that um, the sci-fi and fantasy fan base again and so they it seems like uh it seems like they're kind of tied in and they they want to really latch onto the show and try to try to use that as part of their kind of so-called brand relaunch well you know they they get like one show at a time that really like Battlestar Galactica was like their return to form back in 2005 yeah uh I have not watched it yet because I want to read the books but I've heard the expanse is just phenomenal mm-hmm. everyone who's seen the expanse says it's amazing yes and since I missed the episode where you and Jordan talked about the the leaked trailer, mm-hmm. which I really think that was strategic. I oh, really think yeah, that, I do too. Yeah, uh, the effects were amazing. Yeah, in that trailer. So I feel like that pilot they spent a boatload of money on. My only question is sustainability. the The effects looked so good. Can they keep a quality like that 
throughout a season. And I, I don't know. I can hope because, hey, the effects for the for the miniseries pilot of Battlestar Galactica were amazing. And they kept it up through the series. You just saw less of it. Uh, but they never lost the quality that that miniseries had when they launched Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Well, and then the uh, the president of the Entertainment Networks for NBC Universal, uh, Chris McCumber, had talked about the idea that with the show Krypton, that there's going to be other DC Comics characters in that Krypton world. I would assume he, he kind of knows a little bit about what he's talking about there. He's, I'm sure he's not super intimate into the details, but the fact that uh, he knows that much means, you know, they kind of know some of the grander plans about what they want to do with the show. So I think it'd be kind of cool. Like, you know, maybe we'll see, like, I don't know if we'd quite see a Green Lantern Corps, but, you know, maybe we'll see something like the Thanagarians or something. I want Brainiac. Yeah, you know, Brainiac, I, yeah. Or, do I, or maybe not see him because I do want him to be saved for, you know, the movies. I'm still hoping for a Man of Steel 2 yeah. with Brainiac. But, you know, you know he has to get, he, he's got to get Candor at some point. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think they're so concerned about overlap like they used to be. Like, I kind of get the sense that they allow, there's a, they're, they're allowing a lot more overlap uh, between the film division and the TV division. Well, but, but the question becomes, and, and in any of the official press releases, we cannot confirm nor deny whether this television series will be an incontinuity with Man of Steel and the DCEU. Yeah, we don't know that. I mean, that was what was said by David Goyer, I think. Right, yeah, that was what was said by David Goyer originally. Yeah, but whether that is still the case or not, we don't know, and none of this press, like, made that connection. They just said, the series has been ordered. So yeah, I'm pumped about this. I'm I'm just hopeful, just for a good sci-fi show. You know, forget the whole Krypton thing, and forget the whole DC Universe thing. I just want another good sci-fi show. And go and watch Expanse, by the way. I, well, I will. Um, I've heard that basically they go through a book. It, it's the typical, like, a season's a book. Yeah. So, um, I'll I'll have to, you know, I'll have to read the books and then watch the show. So I'm gonna... And lastly, um, if you... If your lo- local library participates in Hoopla, which is one of their, one of those digital uh, book services, kind of like Overdrive, apparently Hoopla has a lot of DC Rebirth trades. Probably like a lot of the Volume 1s, maybe some of the volume twos they do yeah and you can yeah read them for free with through your local library if your local library uses hoopla yeah and i was just uh i was i had actually downloaded saga that brian k vaughn book from hoopla so that was that was real nice to be able to do that oh cool well all i can say is um go read on hoopla and then go listen to christian jordan at dc comics Squadcast. all right well hey guys that's it for this week's podcast and we want to thank you as always for listening we hope you enjoyed our little bit of discussion today and we had a lot of fun i mean this was uh uh, this is kind of like back to our normal routine Scott. this is a return to form it's kind of nice yes now well as always we'd love to hear from you we'd love to you know get your thoughts on what we talked about ideas or things we need to discuss in future episodes so please reach out to us on twitter at suicide squadcast or you can reach us individually i can be reached at scott dc 27 yep and you can get me on twitter at alan fire and you can also email us at suicide squadcast at gmail.com and we love hearing back from you guys so please do not hesitate to reach out to us and uh, please be sure to check out the other shows in our network. As we said at the beginning of the show, DC TV Squadcast and DC Comic Squadcast. You can find all of our shows at www.suicidesquadcast.com, at our YouTube channel, Suicide Squadcast Network, and our Facebook page, also the Suicide Squadcast Network. Yep. All right. Well, Scott, I think we need to go ahead and call this one. Uh, looks like we're a little bit over an hour. So. Oh, you, know, you got to go to bed, huh? We, we gotta, I got to put you to bed, old man. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm not going to bed. I'm going to start working on this. Ah, uh, well, whatever. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And Tim, remind the good people what they always need to know. Guys, go out and just keep reading some DC. Bye, guys. 
All right, Scott. So we have some new properties that we'd like to put on TV here. Uh, now, are you sure that we really want to put Black Lightning on a CW? Yes, absolutely. I mean, what, what if what if we tried this instead? I mean, I think we, we should probably spread it out a little bit. Look, why don't we try Black Lightning on the NBC network? Right. So it can get canceled in less than 13 episodes. I mean, Constantine, 13 episodes, gone, powerless. They didn't even finish airing all the episodes we shot and it's already canceled. What are you thinking, Tim? <laughs> I'm kind of seeing a little bit of a pattern here. Maybe, maybe there's something else that we should cancel. NBC? Yes, let's do it. Still there? Yeah, I'm still here. It says Skype sent me a card. What the hell is that? It just popped up on my screen. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Happy birthday. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Let me start this over.